Hello and welcome to and let's be heard for Friday, April 14th, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right, here we are. Big Friday show, end of the week. Um, I expect to do a film review at the end. Well, I will. I don't expect I will unless I must pass away during the show, but I'm feeling okay right now, so <laughs> I think we'll get there. It's been another big week, another big week. You know, I I've, I speak a lot about the primaries, right? I speak a lot about Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis and the hair gel king of California. I speak a lot about economic news, a lot of crime stuff happening in San Francisco. These are things I talk about on a nightly basis, you know, the continuing residual COVID stuff and all of that. But something I don't really talk about much are like international affairs. I don't talk about Ukraine that often. And uh, it's because it doesn't really interest me. I'm being honest with you here. It doesn't really, you know, domestic stuff interests me a lot more than international. I'd be a better governor than a president or a senator. I think I'm really interested in economic stuff more than international affairs. Okay. Um, I think a lot of the international stuff is intriguing, you know, it's dramatic and people like to make it more than it is. But um, something did happen earlier this week and I've been remiss to talk about it. Now we have more information about it and I'll talk about it a little bit more because I'm understanding it a little bit more. So I'm talking about Jack Teixeira, the 21 year old kid who did the leaking of the information, the Pentagon files on online on a group and they they caught him and they've arrested him and now they're talking about him possibly getting life imprisonment you know people are talking about treason people always talk about treason when something like this happens when you have like this leakers and stuff you cannot charge this person with treason treason is very specific okay it's basically fighting for another country against your own country on another uh, in another country during a war None of this has anything to do with treason, okay? But there's some espionage stuff. Obviously, he's being charged with that. He will. Um, so obviously, this always brings up like the, you know, the Snowden stuff, right? That is is what, what was leaking. Is it important? And are these secrets that the American people should have known that the government shouldn't be hiding from us? Or is this top secret military stuff that needs to be secret because it can get people killed, right? So, you know, it's it's that's always that battle. And of course, you'll watch Fox News, and the overwhelming majority of the mainstream media will say, "No, no, no, this is top secret stuff. You cannot leak it. When you take this job and you have this clearance, you know the rules. It doesn't matter. You can be seeing stuff that you go, oh my God, the American people need to know about this.' No, it's too bad." You know the rules when you take that job and you get the security clearance. But then there are others like Glenn Greenwald who will say, no, no, it's heroic to do such a thing. When you're seeing information that should not be private, that doesn't need to be private, that the government should not be holding from the people and you release it, you're actually you're a whistleblower and a hero and should be treated as such. So there's that always ongoing battle, right? The establishment is always going to say, the person should go to jail for life. What they did was horrible. They put all these lives at stake. Oh, my God. But then there are people like Glenn Greenwald who – and I'm going to play like a five-minute clip in a little bit here after I do my monologue here uh, – of Glenn Greenwald on 
Tucker Carlson, I believe it was yesterday. Uh, I think I think it's important. But I think let me set it up. What Glenn Greenwald says is what I spoke about a couple of nights ago about our media now, our quote unquote journalists and how they want to be part. It seems like they really want to be politicians. They want to be part of the government instead of being critical of the government. Right now, the point Glenn Greenwald, I believe, will make if I get it right, is something he's made many times, which is the government. You expect this kind of reaction from the government. They believe this stuff should be secret. They're going to see the guy as a traitor and they're going to want to put him in jail. Right. But it's not the job of the media to carry the government's water for them. This is the kind of investigative reporting that the media used to do. You didn't need leakers like this. The media would do they would they would dig and find these things out or they would get hints from people like Teixeira and they'd release it because it's not the media's job to be on the side of the government. OK, it's not the media's job to to keep the government secrets for them. And yet. What you're seeing now is the media is acting just like the government. Once again, these people, if they want to be in the government, they should be politicians. And this is what I spoke about a couple of days ago when I said that the media likes to get, the journalists like to get too close to the people they need to be critical of. And then it becomes a problem. They want to hobnob. They want to go to soirees. They want to be liked by them. So therefore, it's as though they're working on behalf of the government. And the media is not supposed to work on behalf of the government. It's supposed to be the opposite. They're supposed to challenge the government and be critical of the government. Now, something I believe, and I know there are people listening to me who know more about this. They're really into this stuff. I believe some of the information that was leaked showed what we all know, right? What I've been talking about, when I do talk about Ukraine on this show from time to time, every couple of weeks, what I say is they're losing the war. They can't win. Okay? And the government's trying to tell us lies that they can win. And I believe this information, some of it shows that the Ukraine is 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 losing, right? That they're absolutely losing. They're not going to win. And this is stuff that they don't want the American public uh, to know about. So um, I, I think Glenn Greenwald does does cover it a little bit more. But I believe that's one of the things that the leaks have shown, right? That that the that, that Ukraine's not going to win, right? And I think question that needs to be asked is all this information that was leaked, the government's upset because this is real information, right? They're not doubting it. They're not saying it was lies. So are we talking about the information that was leaked? Is anyone really talking about that? The facts that were leaked, the fact that it shows that Ukraine is in, is a disaster and is not going to win and we're wasting money and that this can go on for years. So I'll read more about this in a second. But I, I want to play the – I don't know if maybe you guys have heard it. I, I, I want to play it anyway because Glenn Greenwald says it better. And I have to give Glenn Greenwald credit. He's the reason why I started doing my podcast on call-in because about a year ago I was reading Twitter and Glenn Greenwald said – Come see, come listen to my podcast on call in. And I said, Oh my God, what is call in? And then I investigated it. So Glenn Greenwald is the reason why I'm on call in. All right. He's the reason why you and I are friends. So I like, I like him. And I think he's one of the best journalists working. Actually, he might be the only good journalist. I can't, I don't know if I could think of another one, especially someone as high profile. Glenn Greenwald is the guy. All right. So here, this is Glenn Greenwald, uh, on, 
on Tucker Carlson, I believe it was uh, yesterday. Left out a lot of de- details that are being reported in the Washington Post, the New York Times, et cetera, tonight about the leaker and where this all came from. Because honestly, I don't believe anything. And it's very hard to know what's true. We're all being spun. We're all being lied to. And we just didn't want to repeat the lies. So with that, what do you make of this? I can't think of a incident, Tucker, that reveals more vividly the real function of our nation's largest media corporations than what just happened here. If you're a real journalist, somebody who's devoted to transparency, bringing shining a light on the most powerful government actors when they lie to the American people and informing the public, you would be celebrating this person who stepped forward and risked his security to show his fellow citizens that the government was lying about this incredibly important war with a nuclear armed power that we have actual troops deployed on the ground in Ukraine. There's going to be no diplomatic resolution throughout at least 2023 that Zelensky is planning on using our weapons to strike deep into Russia, which we were told would never happen, risking escalation. He did the job of what journalists claim to do, which is show the public the truth. If you work for the intelligence agencies, you would be furious at this person. You would hate him because he revealed that you just lied. He exposed the truth about what you were doing. What's amazing is the New York Times, the Washington Post, all the people who were at that Pentagon briefing today think the way the CIA and the Pentagon think. They hate this person. It was the New York Times and the Washington Post that did the FBI's work and found the leaker and led the FBI to him. They're demanding that he be punished. They're demanding that the government clamp down and keep things more and more secret. What kind of journalist would ever do that, would want to see a leaker exposed and punished and then demand that the government keep even more secrets? But that is what this, these, these media corporations are there to do. They love leaks when the CIA and Homeland Security tell them to leak. That's when they disseminate propaganda to the public, like they did during the Trump years when they leaked the transcript between Michael Flynn and Ambassador Kislyak, the most serious kind of leaking crime. The Washington Post did that. Nobody looked for that leaker. Nobody cared. Everybody cheered because it served the interests of the security state. But when it comes to transparency that undermines the agenda of these agencies and that proves to the American people what the truth is, It's amazing that these journalists are on the side of the government and will actually hunt down the leaker and demand that he be punished even more. I just don't understand how any journalist could collaborate in hiding the fact that we're in a direct hot war with Russia. Maybe you support that, maybe you don't. But how could you hide something that significant, the most significant fact of our generation from the public? How could you do that? The only answer is that you don't actually have a journalistic mindset that you far more identify with your with your job as working for the government than working for the American people. If you look at the history of the most important journalism stories, it's exactly insiders like Daniel Ellsberg sees that the government is lying to the American people about the war in Vietnam, saying we're winning when in reality, privately, they're saying we're losing. And he goes and he shows the, the, the American people the truth. Or Edward Snowden, who heard James Clapper falsely deny the NSA was spying on American people. He had the evidence in his hand and he risked his security to show the truth. Same things WikiLeaks did. This is what you celebrate in journalism. Our journalists, meaning the media corporations, hate this because they actually work for their government. That is their true allegiance. You have to defend truth tellers. You cannot abet lying if you have an entire country based on lies. It just does not end well. You have to tell the truth, uh, I think. You're certainly a living example of that. Glenn Greenwald, thank you very much. Thanks, Tucker.
Okay, so there it is. And I believe I got it right. Like he said, the government is doing the job. Uh, the, the, the journalists are doing the job for the government. And that they're not doing the jobs that they always did. They used to be the ones who would praise these leakers, who the leakers would leak information to them, and then the media would expose it. The media is helping the government keep... I think we need to understand the implications of this. Our modern media, and that's this is basically all of it. This is not just CNN, MSNBC, ABC, PBS. This is Fox News. This is almost all of it. Okay, this is 99.9% of it. They are helping the government keep their secrets. They're helping the government lie to the American people. This is incredibly dangerous. Once again, the government's response to this is what you'd expect to be adversarial, of course. But as the media is actually advancing the government's narrative. Now, for all the people out there who scream, I know, and most of these people never listened to uh, Tucker Carlson. Oh, Tucker Carlson's this, Tucker Carlson's that. He's the only one in the mainstream media who I see putting on Glenn Greenwald to give this perspective. And he agrees with him, too. Okay? Luckily, it's the, it's the, it's the best, the most viewed show. It's the best ratings of any show in the country, luckily. But once again, at least it proves this much. Tucker Carlson does things that no one else will, puts people on that no one else in the mainstream media will. And Fox News allows him to do it. They allow it because he's 90% of their station. He gets the best ratings. But they still allow him to do it. CNN, MSNBC will never allow this. They'll never allow it. So I have to give Fox some credit, even though it's, from what I've seen, it's only been Tucker's show, right, that we get this that we get this perspective for, for one segment for five minutes. So it's very... It's very sad that this is what's happened to to the mainstream media that they have. Forget about the Woodward and Bernstein's. Forget about any of that stuff. That would it, it's, it would never happen these days. But as Glenn Greenwald says, when it advances the agenda of the establishment, then the government, then the journalists will allow it. Then they'll do it. Then they'll leak it. Then they'll protect their sources. But when it doesn't advance the narrative of the of the U.S. government. They protect the government. They denounce the leaker. And look what look at the things that were leaked. It's not just about the fact that Ukraine isn't going to win. It's the fact that they're going to go deep into Russia and do things we were told were never going to happen. So once again, what the journalists should be talking about now is the actual information that Glenn Greenwald just went over. But they're not. They're not. I cannot find on any other show other than Tucker Carlson anyone talking about the exact leaks and those how bad those lies are that the government has kept from the secrets they've kept and the way they've lied to us over the last year. No one's talking about that as though that doesn't matter. What matters is a 21 year old kid who had clearance. That's all that matters. This 21-year-old kid, how did he get the clearance at 21 years old? Oh, who is he? I mean, that's the fact. The fact of the matter is the information is out there now, and no one's actually talking about the fact that the government is lying to us, to the taxpayers who are funding this. Would you say, Gator? Gator, you're writing a lot of stuff. I have trouble keeping track. Why is it that Washington Post's exclusive, not behind, 
a, a Washington, what is that? Why is it that Washington Post exclusive not behind the Washington Post payroll? Why so much? Well, look, if you want to, oh, there he is. There you are, Gator. Okay, good. Better you talk because I can't hold to read that little type. What's up, Gator? Hey, Mike, do you want me to, right, okay, look, I'll start from the beginning, right? Go, go ahead. Okay, this is, I've, this is my position independently and I've now started looking into other Intel people who speak on it, right, to compare. The whole thing you're looking at is what's called a limited hangout, right? Do you know what that is? No, what is that? A limited hangout is a deliberate intelligence operation where you manipulate somebody by limit by by providing a limited view of truth that you don't give a shit about anyone knowing which legitimizes all of the propaganda that is attached to it or hung out right that's what this is so this is completely a state sanctioned high level uh, intelligence psy operation right and the point of it in my opinion is to provide either one of two things, but it's likely to be this first one. It is the reverse ferret narrative by which you exit the war and blame Ukraine and cut it loose. That's basically mm -hmm. what's going on. The second op option could be that you are using it or they're going to use it to argue for more cash, but they, it's unlikely to be that because there's still 50 billion in the operating budget that's just not been assigned, right? It's there in the budget. So they, 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 they can spend it already. So it can't be for more than $110 billion worth of already pre-assigned cash. This is the way that they escape from the theatre. Right now, what they're doing is, so there's some stuff in it that you can tell this is a limited hangout. The, none of the information is new and none of it is critical to the swing of the war. Every single capable analyst who's prepared to talk on TV or, well, not even TV, Ritter, Balletic, McGregor, they told you everything that is in these documents that there was ever of importance, the thematics and the trajectory and the money, the money and the weapons and the manpower. That's all covered. Also, all of the information about boots on the ground, right? So there's a little box on one of the slides which shows you there are 94 US spec ops people, there's 50 odd Brits, there's 30 French, da 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 da. That's all been admitted in the press over time since the war began in bit by bit by bit. And it's also been stated quite clearly by the Russians through all of their channels, like just in the Azov style fight, mm. where, um, the, 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 the Ukrainians were flying MI-28 or MI-8 lift helicopters about 10 meters over the fucking sea to try to land at mm. the Azov style plant and, and evacuate all of the foreign commanders, like the French commanders there, because they couldn't be caught. If they were caught, right, they would have they would have basically shown that NATO was directly involved in the war, right? And the and the Russians Russian sources were crediting the the the, the skill of those pilots because they were managing they were managing to pull off some of the evacuation, but some of them got shot down. And there were photographs. I mean, I don't know if they were exactly true. But it goes to show you there were photographs with with saying these are that's a that's a there's a NATO ID there's a there's a not a NATO ID there's NATO um, personnel here because of they look like this and this and this and I think there might have been I, I think there might have been actually one or two directly identified in some of the channels that I saw but it was a long time ago so anyway so the the information isn't critical right it doesn't swing the wall 
And this argument that it shows you that we're, we're, we've penetrated the Russians, okay, big deal. Does that, that's not going to change the, the way that they fight from now on, right? And this is 40-day-old right. information right. anyway, right? right. So, so also, on a, on a method, right, you're looking at um, the story is that this stuff surfaced, surfaced on, a, on, a, on a server. They didn't know how, to, how it happened. And then within a couple of days of that, of that coming out, suddenly the WAPO gives you a five or 6,000-word essay detailing the character profile of this guy and and he's got they've got at least two people who are willing to suddenly just declare shit on a black screen right and when you listen to them speak they speak perfectly right they they, they never stutter right. they loads of unnatural sequences of, of words <laughs> about his who he is and and that there are uh identifier indicators, right wing, all of these things. Um, and then the stories permeated with anti-Semitism, all these, all these things. Bullshit, it's bullshit, right? It's absolute bullshit. Um, and so, and so it's, con it's a construct, right? Now the question is, how did that level of information get to this guy, right? And, and this is where I have to defer to other people, but they make this point. Right. Some of the people at this seriously high level point out consistently, this is not just top secret clearance gear. This is TS, SI, SCI and all these other clearances, which are way above. So a 21 year old North Guardsman is very unlikely to get it right. They, they, they make that clear. But also um, there is a tiny possibility he possibly could have had it legitimately, but it's very slim. And then they say and, and um Something that I said to Michael Tracy has been now confirmed back to me by somebody else, right? Which is that, that even if he could, if you look at like how this guy got it, right? Basically, it's, it doesn't make logical sense. And therefore, there's a question of we want a patsy, so we will feed this guy this thing and, and and he'll leak it he will leak it because we know he's already done something a little bit like this so we'll just use him right and then we'll go after him or it is a completely invented story but the thing is why would you arrest a guy and inform the, the press so that they can hover a chopper around when you arrest him why is the fbi involved instead of the dod's um ability to snatch and grab a guy and then run it run their own run their own um trial all of this stuff if you if you start looking at judge napolitano and his sources um listen to scott ritter all of these people kind of go into aspects of this it's a complete lim limited hangout what was the um hangout that he was on this kid what was the thing what was the it, it wasn't reddit right what was it no it was, a, it was a, it's it's di it's an instance of a discord server so discord. um discord yeah, yeah. You can, was, it, was it the deep web or was it no 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 oh, no all, all it is is you can set up a server software on an internet server for a chat and it sets up a whole complete complex chat structure. So it's like you can have a library with multiple different topics. Like it's like a very, it's a much more sophisticated form of forum that uses elements of live real time chat and um, repos file repository stuff. So it's like a very, it's a, it's a comprehensive modern forum. I see. But anyone could access it. Well, you can you can set you can set permissions up so you could lock it off and provide 
reasonably secure access or you could make it public if you wanted. Oh, I see. Okay. Now, I understand, from what I understand, the group was only like, what, 20 people? 15, 20 people? Apparently. Right. And it was the same people all the time, right? Because I heard, and it was all young people, right? A lot of teenagers, I believe, and 20-year-olds, right? People in their 20s. Because I heard one kid, a teenager, talking about it a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they blacked out his face so you couldn't see who he was. But he said, he was talking, it it, it was just a very bizarre way of talking. I don't know if you Mm -hmm. saw it. But he was saying... We were, this was a, we were told to be fit and ready. And it, it was very bizarre. The whole group seemed to be weird where yeah. this guy who's only 21 was like the, the father of the group, you yeah. know, and all these teenagers were getting all this information that obviously they weren't supposed to have, but it, um, it, it's, it, it's, it seemed to have been a group that was just taking in the information and this kid was saying that he told people that he had all this secret information and no one believed him. Yeah. Okay. But, but you, so you, so you, having seen that video, right. Or those two guys talking, right. Ask yourself this question. These people never really met this lad face to face. They were all connected via a server. Right? right. Yeah. So when you, when you, when you were remotely disconnected from somebody, you don't really know them at all. Right. You, you can read anything from anyone and you don't even know if that's chat GPT. Right. right. And then you see these uh, things and whatever, unless you were face to face or you could make credible video contact with them. You don't know who they are. Those kids literally with absolute certainty claimed, stated directly. He was never a Russian agent. He was never this. He was never that. He loved this country. Right. 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 Exactly. Right. You think, do you think anyone credible would a speak that clearly B speak that fervently and C claim to truly know who that person was? I mean, what is the point of making those statements to the WAPO for public global consumption? You wouldn't do that. Right. Like you'd go, no, he was a dude on a server. Well, I mean, I don't really know who he was, but he claimed to be this. He sent me all these docs. It was really interesting. Uh, never met him. I mean, he could, I, I don't know. I don't think, I don't actually know much about him. He said he wasn't a thing. He said he was into this. But I mean, have you ever met him? No. And how, how, and how would you know? It's bullshit. It's total bullshit. Is, right. How would you know the information he's giving you is real and he's not just making it up? Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. If you're a scumbag, no, no one right, with no military or intel experience at all, then you would have to do research to start checking headers, right? The the demarcation and the classification headers and things like this independently, right? Or you'd have to have the source tell you and then you'd have to go and verify it. You'd have to have a a reasonably... um, credible method for validating information and the most most average people don't don't really do that do they right Right. and they're 21 year old kids i'm talking to people on like calling who can't who who are 30 or 40 years old they can't even verify the contents of covid shots even now by looking on the fucking fda website what's a 21 year old going to do in trying to verify the, the the um top secret headers on on these documents probably right. for call you know right. it's just nonsense yeah the kids were like 17 right they were very yes. young. it was a very young group yeah you know those kids when they spoke they never made a single stutter and they they spoke stock phraseology 
and they had rehearsed what they'd said. They were like actors. Oh, you know, very, much so. very much so. Very much so. That's yes, not how some, people speak. There was one uh, uh, passage that this, this 17-year-old kid, whoever old he was, said about Jack. And it was like, he's a, he's a, he's a very confident young man who loves his yeah. country. It was that kind of a thing. And I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? It was just a very way of it. Put it this way. It felt to me it was a very odd way for a teenager to speak. Yeah, totally. For smart teenagers out there. But I mean, and obviously these are teenagers who are into politics, right? They're in they're into, uh, you know, uh, geopolitical stuff and all that. So they're not your average teenager. But the way he spoke did very you, you put your finger on it. It seemed very scripted. Yeah. Um, okay. If if they were your kids, Mike, right? Okay. Um, and 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 you you were you were revising your child. We, we, right, Tommy. Do you, do you understand that the Washington Post is going to come and film you and ask you all these questions? Do you want? Do you want to? Do you want to just go through the implications of that for you in the future? Right. Yeah. That would have happened if they were real. And also, even if they didn't have parental advice. Why the fuck would a 16 or 17 year old kid talk to the WAPO? What's in it for them? Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, to, to me, it seems like everyone is looking for any little bit of publicity they can get, you know, and, there, you know. Yeah, so. there, there, is a, there is another thing here, right? And it's a, what I pointed out to Michael Tracy. He doesn't buy this, but he doesn't know the method, right? Mm -hmm. Well, he he's clearly doesn't know it. He doesn't pay attention to this, but... When you look into the FBI and their, their footprint in domestic terror plots, right? They are the domestic terror threat in the US. Over 300, I think, cases now have, have, have originated on a similar MO where basically you, the FBI finds a criminal and they say, you're going to jail unless you do what we want. And they go, all right, I'll do what you want. And he says, right, go and find a patsy. And then when you find the patsy, you need to pressure them to make them do this plan and we'll give you the resources. We'll tell you what to do. We'll tell you, we'll run it, but you just need to make sure he does it. And, and at the point that the guy is the Patsy is nearly about to press the button or jump on a horse. And I'm not joking. That was horses were in one of the plans. Um, then the, the FBI swoops in, arrests the guy, the Patsy, and then says, look, we've caught a domestic terrorist. And then they take him to court in a Pfizer court and then they go to jail, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's the MO of the FBI when it comes to domestic terror. It's recognized by judges. It's been acknowledged in the press, formally and informally. And it's also the subject of a film by Chris Morris, right, uh, called The Day Shall Come. It's that ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you move that into the intel world, what do you get? You get this, right? You either find Jack Tejera because he is he is a, he is a patsy that you have found right and you go yeah we'll use him okay because look at look at what he's already done he's already this this weird little kid he's a little bit like chelsea manning right and he's also already actually doing a little bit of stuff we don't like because if you read the wapo article apparently he's been putting stuff upon discord for months right right well, what kind of fucking intel system are you running that a 21 year old kid is actually repetitively able to access super high Intel stuff and leak it for a series of months after Chelsea Manning happened. Bullshit. He's being set up or he's a patsy, right? You know, he's a patsy being set up or 
the actual guy, he is not what we're being told he is, right? But right. If he if he never appears again, right? Because he's he's subject to a FISA court, right? And you never hear from him again. Who's gonna Who's gonna be asking that question in the press? No one. This is the. I'm, I'm reading this just as I as you talk. Um, this is about the kid who was talking at the Washington Post. The young member was impressed by OG's seemingly prophetic ability to forecast major events before they became headline news, things only someone with this kind of high clearance would know. He was, by his own account, enthralled with OG, who said he was in his early to mid-20s. He's fit, he's strong, he's armed, he's trained. <laughs> Just about everything really you expect as well. some sort of crazy movie, the kid said. The member seemed drawn to OG's bravado and his skill with weapons. He felt a certain kinship with a man he described as like an uncle. And on another occasion, as a father figure, I was one of the very few people in the server that was able to understand that these documents were legit, the member said, setting himself apart from others who mostly ignored the posts. It felt like I was on top of Mount Everest, he said. I felt like I was above, above everyone else to some degree and that I knew stuff that they didn't. It was a tight-knit family. We all grew very close to each other, like a tight-knit family. We depended on each other, he said. There was no lack of love for each other. It's a very odd way of talking, isn't it? Like, who's, who's, who's the, um, what's the name of the, um, the journalist? Is it Dan Brown? The one who wrote this story that I'm reading? Yeah, is, is it Dan Brown? Uh, hold on, let me get up to the top. No, Shane no, Harris and Sam Oakford. It could have been Dan Brown because it reads yeah. like really shitty fiction. That well, is just the, not a news story. Yeah, I mean, this is the way this kid was talking, though, in the in the, in the, totally clip, in the clip I I saw. Well, I mean, he's he's describing like emotional connection with a guy, an emotional dependence, and a guy who's on the other side of a fucking server. Yes, this yeah. is nonsense. Yeah, he got upset. This kid said that Jack got upset on multiple occasions. <laughs> saying that if you guys aren't going to interact with with them, I'm going to stop sending them. So at some point he was frustrated that most of the people, I guess, weren't taking it very seriously. You know, so, you know, it's it's kind of odd. The whole thing is very bizarre. But I think the point that Glenn Greenwald makes is important. Um, And that how quickly the journalist, the, the media just takes the side of the government and against the leaker. Absolutely, yeah. But you know, when the level that Glenn's talking about, he's absolutely right. I mean, it, it is, but, but it's because not only is Bellingcat, the intelligence, the British MI6 intelligence front, obviously presenting this bullshit about uh, we did some of the OSN int work to track this fucker down, but the NYT and the WAPO are pure state stenographers, which is why they released the story and which is why this massive profile is not behind the WAPO's paywall, right? Look at the nonsense. It's marked up as a WAPO exclusive and the WAPO is pure paywall. You can't, you can't buy, you can't get a fucking brownie recipe out of the WAPO without paying a dollar for a peak sneak pee preview, right? Yet their biggest exclusive is not behind a paywall. That tells you that it's there because it's it's there to make suckers read it because it needs the legitimacy of the WAPO to make suckers think this is serious, right? And we can't have it behind a paywall because otherwise suckers can't access it, right? Right, right, right. right. Stupid. So when you get down to the level of Glenn Greenwald, yeah, he's absolutely right. The state, uh, what you were looking at 
is the um, the per utter perversion of journalism. But then, any you and I, any sensible person knows that, right? So you should now be guarded in society against any individual who, if you ever talk about this story, does not detect that illegitimacy, because that is another evidence of how stupid society has become. Right. Yeah, it is. And I think the word I think about, and this is the same word that comes into my mind when thinking about the last three years of COVID, is compliance. Mm -hmm. The, the, the journal, journalists, journalism, uh, uh, society, citizens, we've become so compliant, whereas the government says this and we believe it, right? We just yeah. simply believe it. We believe it and that's it. There's no pushback. There's no critical thinking. None of that. It's just yeah. whatever they say goes. Yes, the kid's horrible. Hang them high, right? That's it. Have, have you ever read a book called Wild Swans about Mao's China? It's like a three-generational uh, account of, of Mao's China. No, I haven't. I recommend it to every single person that can ever be asked to read anything, right? It's a, it's, it's a really good story. It's, it's true as well. It's verified as basically true, right? But what's critical in it are, that are techniques of sociological change and dominance through this period of time from like the, is it Chiang Kai-shek through to, through to Mao, right? And, and, and there's a direct parallel here in exactly what's happening now. So obviously to install communism, you go down and you kill everyone. Mm -hmm. right that you don't like and then you rebuild from the proletariat and you reprogram them through school and through sociological engineering right hard until you get what you want in people now that became so fucking ridiculous that farming communities did not eat what they grew right they the, all the food was taken away to the center and redistributed back to them so they never ate what they grew so you've disconnected them but there was still famine because the center couldn't manage everything all the time, right? And there was some really big famines in China, but embedded in every single community, every aspect and every level were enforcers, the propagandist and the, 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 um, the, the, the communist enforcer, right? Who would monitor people. They would be the community leader, but they would also be the enforcer. Now, what the enforcer was doing was making sure that everybody was on the propaganda bandwagon and then it would disappear people who didn't. You're seeing exactly the same thing here. The New York Times and the WAPO are acting as the journalistic enforcer, seeding into the telling you what the what the propaganda is and then showing you for some reason that they will go and turf out people who go against this. And that's done at the institution level at the moment. Right. You're thinking, hang on, how how what's what's going to happen here? Now, what happened in Mao's China is that they actually managed to get Chinese farming communities to tell each other, literally face to face in a circle, did you see that, that we, the, 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 the amazing 600 pound pigs that we've now grown and the 200 pound tomatoes that we are now growing? And they were lying to each other's faces and they had to because if they didn't, the enforcer would have disappeared one of them. That's where we are now in, in Western society with this. Did you see the article uh, from Seymour Hirsch yesterday, yeah, about Zelensky embezzling four hundred million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you surprised? Have, are you seeing that anywhere else in the media? No, no. It's being mentioned in the in. It was mentioned in Judge Napolitano's channel with Andrew Schaffer or Schaefer, I think, or maybe uh, Jim Jordan. I think not Jim Jordan. He's the MP, but the other guy, somebody Jordan. One of those mentioned it. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you make of that? Do you buy what Cy Hirsch is saying? I think he's a great journalist. I th- mm. Of course. Yes, I, I totally believe that. I mean, I've been talking about for a long time now, last year, about where's this money going? There's no accountability. Yeah. And Zelensky seems to be getting wealthier. He's certainly getting more famous and yeah. wealthier as this thing goes along. So it doesn't shock me at all if he's embezzled that money, because why not? Yeah. There's, no, there's been no way to track it. There's been no one there to track that money. Yeah. Where it goes. So well, $400 million so far. Yeah, you see now, there's, there's, I think that there's a dichotomy. I think there's always been a dichotomy between the Cy Hirsch work and what you're seeing now on this leak, right? Because Cy Hirsch is being fed a story from an internal in, intel person, right? And if we assume that Cy Hirsch's work is accurate enough and has is credible enough, right, then what you're looking at, in my opinion, is, is disgruntled people inside the intel world who do not like what the administration is doing in terms of the, not just the war, but their general, their general um, hegemonistic strategy. And they've undermined that by going to Cy Hirsch, because if you go to Cy Hirsch, you cannot touch his character, right? But you can't get into the New York Times, but you don't, it doesn't matter because Cy Hirsch has got it out anyway, right? Um, and that's a direct, that is a, a an upstream fire control intervention by people who were involved in the nuclear chain of events. And they don't want to wait until it's the last guy turning the key and pressing the button and depend on that guy. They want to interrupt and dissuade or, or destabilize the administration from conducting this war anymore on these bullshit terms. That's one side of it, right? Right. And when they, so releasing Nord Stream directly undermines the legitimacy of the US. And that's why you're seeing a load of mixed messaging coming out of Europe. And there's clearly problems inside Europe about this now. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing is this thing with the leak is does not necessarily have to be the same people. It can, it, I believe it's actually the administration itself, like Jake Sullivan, Newland, those incompetent Fox who will literally think that they can use this to get out and, and make the reverse narrative narrative. And those two things are working together to exit the Ukraine situation that they work together, even though they may be partially separate, if you see what I mean. Yeah. But the more I, I see about this night, was it you who told me yesterday that it's very possible that by the time DeSantis takes over, this will be yeah. over this war, but I don't think so. I don't know. There, there's been, there've been people talking about this going on for another five years, possibly. So it is, it's definitely possible, especially after the information that we, we've, we've seen here from Jack, is that it's very possible this war can still be going on into the next administration. So it will be interesting to see what happens. If, 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 first of all, I hope, I, hope it's, I hope it's not. I hope, I, hope, I hope this ends and we stop sending the money. I hope it's not continuing on, you know, two years from now. But it's possible. And, and then we'll see what a DeSantis administration would do at that point, whether three years into this to be a, re, a reverse of, you know, different course, or if he stay on the same course, mm. who knows, right? But it's not a definite thing that this will be over by January of 2025. Yeah, it's, right. It's, it's possible that what we'll end up with soon is a career two, where you have a big DMZ. Right, right. And right. then and an occupied territory that, that Russia's holding with a DMZ buffer zone, right? That could be... A one one interim position where neither no one concedes, right? So you just end up in standoff. But the other thing I think is this: 
it take take all of the analysts analysts statements about what are the constraints the constraints are ammo weapons and men well if you look at um the ukrainian mod site on their news page they have always been running this bullshit counter of casualties right and those casualties um kind of have to track parity with the russian mod's casualty counts they've always funnily enough been roughly equivalent right and they're now up to claiming 178,500 dead Russians. Mm -hmm. That can't be possible. That cannot be possible, right? Because what it would mean is that the U Ukrainian losses are at least, well, at least say, if not 50% plus higher, and then a ratio of five to one in some, in some reports, you would have run out of, completely run out of Ukrainian soldiers. Anyway, it's a total lie, right? Now, the problem with what we've got in the West is that is that we apparently cannot send enough ammo. We are running out of weapons um, that we can't replenish ourselves anyway, even if we don't want to fight anyone else. But also, if it's just a manpower problem, no matter what we can do with the weapons, you you can't replenish the manpower from the Ukrainian stock, right? You either have to literally pull in women and uh, escaped Ukrainian citizens, mm -hmm. or you are literally going to be fighting with NATO personnel on in large numbers, which is which is the open admission of World War Three. We're already in World War Three, but th this is the open admission of World War Three. You can't do that. Right. So that sustainability problem is uh, it, to me anyway. I think this will be done in, an, in, an, in a negotiation. I'm prepared to predict negotiation by September because of money as well, but that's a slightly different issue. Right. I, so, I, and I reckon Korea too, or um, it'll, uh, you'll, you'll basically have um, Poland taking some of the territory, maybe some going to Hungary, and then this weird little um, wrecked piece of land that basically houses Kiev somewhere. It could be as weird as that. It could be. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. But we'll see how that, you know, plays out. Hey, hey Gator, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks. Take it easy, dude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what I want to just read now is a little bit about the uh, the facts about the case. And, and Jack was in front of a judge today. Uh, Pentagon files lead Jack to share a faces a lengthy prison sentence and hefty fines for his crime. But any sentence will depend on the full impact of the leaked documents information. So uh, if he downloaded 50 documents at one time, they could charge him with the retention of 50 documents, or they could do 50 different charges of retention, said Carly Stimson, senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. There's sort of an art in how you charge these things or how you indict these things. So FBI agents arrested Teixeira, a Massachusetts Air National Guardsman at his home in North Dinkin, Massachusetts. Uh, Biden said nothing leaked was of great consequence, but White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby warned Wednesday, we don't know what else this individual individuals might have and might still release. Prosecutors on Friday charged him with unauthorized retention and transmission of national defense information and willful retention of classified documents. He did not enter a plea and was ordered detained pending a hearing set for Wednesday, April 19th. Merrick Garland used the 1917 
Espionage Act when discussing charges against Ashera, which could carry a sentence of up to 15 years in prison, 10 years for the first charge and five for the second. The criminal complaint gives us a hint, a big hint, about what the government thinks they have and what he did and where they're going, Stimson said. He explained if the case is cut and dry, as the current facts indicate, the case will not take long to try. You can project what a defense would be here. This is a young, confused man. He was lonely. He had no one outside of his little chat group to see this. It sounds like me. He trusted them. He's not a foreign agent. He's not acting at the behest of a foreign agent. He's a young guy. There's no reason to ruin his life. The evidence may be so clear as the Pentagon files leader Jack Sears' guilty sentence. It's just a matter of time. But the scope of the punishment depends on how damaging the leaks prove to be meaning that nothing is off the table, including the death penalty. In federal law, depending on how this charge is and depending on what they find out in their exploitation and collection of evidence, for example, if we found out that the disclosures resulted in the death or deaths of individuals, and that was reasonably foreseeable, I can envision a hypothetical factual scenario where the government asked for capital punishment. He pointed the case of Chelsea Manning, who downloaded hundreds of thousands of files and gave them to WikiLeaks, who subsequently published the documents in full. The leak included the identities of people in Afghanistan who were helping the U.S. military. It was reasonably foreseeable that the Taliban al-Qaeda would hunt those Afghan translators down and kill them. In fact, that's what happened, Stimson said. But we didn't know that the beginning of the case, and we didn't know yet the full extent of what the share has done, and we don't know the full extent of the damage that those disclosures have done. Yeah, the, or the horrible damage that the American people now know the truth. That's incredibly damaging. Biden has publicly opposed execution as a method of punishment, but his Department of Justice pushed for the use of capital punishment in the case of Boston Marathon bomber seeking to overturn a lower court ruling that vacated the decision. How do you compare this to the Boston Marathon bombings? Ridiculous. Rebecca Kofler, president of Doctrine and Strategy Consulting and a former defense intelligence officer, claimed the disclosures have a destructive impact on the country's ability to collect intelligence. Uh, and well, it's okay. It takes years to recruit human sources who are willing to betray their country and steal secrets from our country's government and provide them to the United States, she explained. It takes years and billions of dollars to map out access to adversarial or allied networks and systems in order to intervene in their communication, Koffler said. Now, some of these sources and channels will be patched up, closed, and unusable by U.S. spy agencies, and massive amounts of taxpayers' money will be wasted. You mean like the money we've sent to Ukraine and the money embezzled by Zelensky. These people aren't really, I'm reading this, but they're not to be taken seriously. They're really not. I mean, come on, give me a break. You know, I think it, I think the fact that he was just this kid who was looking to show off and wanted, had no friends and wanted to reach out to people is exactly the case is exactly the case. But you got to watch, like I said, because we live in a very compliant country. So we'll have a jury that's very compliant with the government's interests and what the government says. It's very dangerous. It really is. We don't have people who can think critically at all. You know, we, we just don't have it in this country anymore. So, um, so this case will continue and we'll talk more about it as, as it progresses. But I think I really want to, you know, underline what Glenn Greenwald said, that it's not the media's job to hold the government's water, to carry the government's water for them, right? It's not the uh, journalist's job to pile on this kid. Their job used to be doing exactly what this kid did. But you know what? 
now that they don't do that job anymore, is maybe left up to these people and look at what happens. It would, it would be maybe a different story if the journalists actually did their job, but they don't. And I don't expect journalists to ever do their job again as long as I'm alive. I don't think in my lifetime we're going to see journalists go back to the way it used to be because there's just there are just too many of them that just simply want to be buddy-buddy with the government, believe that's their job, to just further the government's narrative, right? That's it. And we saw this during COVID. And I think uh, someone who's on this show, a guy named Domestic, um, who I know who's a friend, put this on Twitter today. And he sent this to PBS and NPR. And he said, you did nothing. If you did nothing over the last three years, okay, to expose the truth, all right, and just simply carried the government's, you know, narrative along about COVID, then you have no, you have no reason, you have no reason, you have no, you have no ground to stand on, okay, when it comes to saying you're an actual news outlet, because you're not, they're a prop, you're a propaganda outlet, and that's what they, that's what they are, that's what all these news agencies are, they're just propaganda outlets. The government, it's, it's like the government sends them a memo. The government tells them what to say and they say it. What does that sound like? What does that sound like? I remember those funny old images of, of the, the Russian anchor, the news anchor and the gun, someone holding the gun to the guy's head. We've seen that, right? As they talk. It's like, that's basically what it is. That's all the media is these days, except for people like Glenn Greenwald and Cy Hirsch and a few others. It's basically just doing exactly, saying exactly what the government wants you to say. So that's, that is, as, as Elon Musk said, he labeled NPR and PBS state-run media, state-sponsored media. That's what they are. Whether they like someone calling them out on it or not, story after story after story, issue after issue after issue, they prove they are basically state-sponsored media. That's all they are which really makes them useless for the people, very, very useful for the government. What does that make them? Let's bring Donald in. It makes him the enemy of the people, the enemy of the people. And he's right. Speaking of Donald, speaking of Donald, <laughs> not my favorite guy. You know, has anyone seen the, the commercials running the, uh, by, supposedly not by Trump, we know, it's by Trump's pack, it's by the MAGA pack, it's the Make America Great Again pack, okay? But they represent Donald Trump, and I'm sure everything's run by him before they, especially him, right? They, they run everything by Have you seen those disgusting anti-DeSantis ads with the pudding? Has anyone seen that? Where it's the guy, it's some guy who's supposed to be DeSantis sticking his fingers into the pudding and eating the pudding with his fingers. And then it goes on to talk about nonsense, about, you know, Social Security and Medicaid and Medicare and DeSantis trying to cut it. And it's just it's just this guy sticking his fingers in pudding and like putting the pudding all over his. It's the most fucking disgusting ad. It, it's perfectly in line with Donald Trump. But the ad doesn't make me dislike Ron DeSantis. It makes me want to physically puke on Trump's hair. It really I, I want to fucking puke all over his hair from watching this disgusting ad. It's so grotesque. But the good news is DeSantis is really starting to. Uh, fight back now. Now we're starting to see ads by a DeSantis pack, a pack who's in favor of DeSantis going after Trump. And they did a a commercial today, which is fantastic, which really proves that DeSantis is probably, 
I say two to three weeks away from announcing. It's getting closer and closer. But now that we're seeing ads out there from DeSantis pack going after Trump, we know games on, baby. Games on. This one is a great ad where it shows Trump kowtowing to the gun uh, control people, right? And I remembered all of it. Remember when he had like Feinstein there and he's like, oh yeah, we can look at the assault weapon. Put it in there, Diane. Put it in there, Diane. Remember, remember I, I believe Trump said, and they put it in the ad. They put this in the ad. I remember this like it was yesterday when Trump said, I want to take the guns away first, then we'll do poop process next. And they put that line in there. I want to do take the guns away first and then we'll do due process. So it's basically Trump bending the knee to the gun control activists. It's a great ad. It's fantastic. But it's a professional ad. It's not a disgusting thing with the pudding and the pudding all over the... Just who, who does that? Who does that? I mean, it's, it's, it's so disgusting. It's so childish. You know what I would do? You know what? Maybe I will. I'm, I'm really good at making ads. So they picked up on the DeSantis eating pudding with his fingers thing. Okay. If I were DeSantis pack, I would do an ad with Trump pissing on prostitutes. I would do an ad around Trump pissing on a, in a bed all over prostitutes. Maybe I'll put one together for them. Maybe I'll put one together for them. Who is Trump to talk? A guy who pisses on prostitutes. DeSantis eats pudding with his fingers. And you know what DeSantis probably does? The same thing I do. The same thing I next there'll be a nacho cheese. Would you say, Andrew, there'll be a nachos cheese ad? No, I, I want I want the Trump pissing on prostitutes ad. That's what I want. But uh, I think what he does is what I is what I do. If there's any if there's any like truth to this at all, it could be totally made up. But, you know, when you have the cup of pudding and you can't get the spoon at the bottom, there's like a little bit left and you put your finger in there and you go, you just look it up. It's like a little bit. That's probably what he does. Which everyone fucking does. Why do, you wouldn't waste pudding? Pudding tastes great. Who was that? Oh, that was Bill Cosby, right? Pudding, give me chilo pudding. <laughs> oh boy, oh my god. So I think I think it's all started. <laughs> I think this is starting, folks. I think you know we're getting really close to the official beginning of the of the primary. And uh, big news, big news, breaking news, breaking news. Do, 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 do. Um, Pompeo is not running, which is a shock to me. And I think the shock is because he lost all of that weight. And when Pompeo lost, like, what did he lose? 80 pounds? He lost a lot of weight. I figured, okay, he's definitely running for president. And he's not. He should keep it off, though. He looks better. I guess he decided... You know, Pompeo was a smart guy, and he decided this is going to be a Trump-DeSantis deal, and no one else has any chance, including Vivek Ramaswamy. You know, I feel bad. I feel bad criticizing Vivek, and I don't think he should be running. It's I have a very odd relationship with Vivek. He doesn't know this. Probably a good thing. But I don't particularly want him to run. And now he's saying this stupid shit that DeSantis is stealing the woke thing from his book. DeSantis has been talking about wokeness for a long time now. But anyway, um, but everything Vivek says, it makes sense. I have to admit, everything he says makes sense. And he said yesterday on Fox that the transgender thing is a mental disorder. You don't see many people saying that. You don't see many politicians saying that. You don't see many people running for president saying that. But he's right. 
He said it clearly. This is a mental disorder. These people need to get psychological help. And yet we're enabling them with all this crap. So I, every time he talks, I agree 100 percent with what he says. And I do admit that he was against all the COVID crap from day one. So I, I don't disagree with him on anything except running. I don't think he should be running. I don't. I think that, you know, a successful businessman who wrote a book, who has a lot of good ideas. I still don't know if he should be running for president at this point in his life. Maybe he should wait a little while longer. And I think this election cycle is is a DeSantis-Trump deal. I really do. So I think he's a good guy. I, I mean, like I said, everything he says makes sense to me. You know, so, you know, I'm hearing an echo. Why am I hearing an echo? Okay. No, I'm not anymore. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Um, but some more good news is that, oh, did you see that crazy woman who ran on stage at the at the uh, DeSantis fundraiser screaming Jews against DeSantis? What is that all about? Are these people nuts? But the great thing, there, there's a great thing about that and there's a bad thing about that. One is, why was this woman allowed to get so close? Okay, I'm sure you have to go through metal detectors to get to this. But why was this woman allowed to, to jump on stage? She could have had a pocket knife. It could have been a big guy who attacked him. How does this woman get so close to to DeSantis? I don't get it. But he did react a lot differently than Trump. You remember when Trump, when something like that happened, he he jumped. Like there's that there's, there's that gif going around where you see him jumping, and then the Secret Service guy jumps up. So unlike Trump, who would like jump and run away, Ron DeSantis stood there, just stood there very calmly, and said, "You know, I don't know why you would pay." to get into an event like this just to do that, but to each his own. What he didn't do is do that tough, fake tough guy shit that Trump does. Remember the fake tough guy? Knock him out, knock him down. He didn't do any of that stuff, all right? He just stood there calmly and kept speaking and so different than the way Trump reacts when there's a heckler or whatever. But, but I don't understand how you let someone like that just jump up and this ridiculousness, Jews against DeSantis, why? I, I, I was racking my brain to try to figure out, you know, I shouldn't even think about this because these are people who should be on medication. So I don't know what their deal is. But why would you think that DeSantis is anti-Semitic? Is it because he's against George Soros? Is that what it is? Is it because he's against George Soros-backed DAs who let criminals out to kill Jews and everyone else? Uh, don't these people understand these people that Soros back DAs let out in the streets? They kill people, including Jews. So I don't know what the fuck this is about where you can't criticize George Soros because he's Jewish. Hey, I'm half Jewish. Maybe you can't criticize me either. That's great. There's my protected. There's my protection. I'm half Jewish. So you can only you know, I'm half Jewish. So you can only criticize me half the time. How's that? Is that fair? It's so fucking stupid. I cannot figure out this thing of Jews against DeSantis. I don't get it. It's ridiculous. But uh, uh, he did this fundraiser, and that's why he was in New Hampshire, uh, Ron DeSantis. And his, his fundraiser broke a record for the state's GOP, okay? Uh, he broke an all-time record. DeSantis's major haul on behalf of the local party came after news reports detailed the event was struggling to sell tickets in what some saw as a sign of the far Republican's waning popularity. There are rumblings all across Florida, but particularly in donor world, that DeSantis is trending in the wrong direction. 
Yonkin, on the other hand, doesn't have that kind of opportunity. So I'm trying to read. Local New Hampshire media point this event. Anyway, it was the largest fundraiser in the history of New Hampshire GOP, raising more than a quarter of a million dollars. Ticket sales were haltered after we exceeded planned capacity. VIP tickets, which were 500 bucks each, sold out as well as the 150 seats for the event. Michael Graham of the New Hampshire Journal called the success of the event a financial boon for the historically cash-trapped state party organization. Um, Palmieri addressed a report, not aging well with time writing, congrats to DeSantis and the GOP. Until Wednesday, you can still buy tickets to the event, so perhaps my story helps sales, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, it sold out. He did great. He's getting huge crowds, even though we know crowds don't matter. The Trump people will make you believe crowds matter. They'll make you believe crowds matter because they really mattered with uh, with uh, Bernie Sanders in 2016 and 2020. He would get 30,000 people. Hillary would get three. He got 30,000. Biden would get three. It really mattered in the 2020 general election, too, when Trump would get 30,000 people. Biden would get three. Crowds don't matter. Crowds don't matter. Votes matter. Ballot harvesting matters. Ballot harvesting matters. Crowds don't matter. How many times do we have to see the candidate with the biggest crowds losing? The, the candidate with the biggest crowds have lost one, two, three of the last four elections. Okay? So I don't understand what they're talking about. Once again, they, they know that people can't think, think critically. P- Americans have, have, have like the, the memory of a gnat. And they don't realize this. And this, so they keep on with this shit. Oh, my God, look how big Trump's crowds are. Look how big they are. So what? Who cares? Who cares? You know, I'm going to go through this again. To think that a guy who's all of his candidates, or I'll be fair, 90% of his back candidates a few months ago got cream. They lost in a year when it was supposed to be easy because it was the midterm for the Democratic president. So normally that means the Democrat would do what the Democrats would do poorly, right? But they did, they did a lot better than expected. And all of Trump's candidates lost. All of his major candidates lost. All the Senate candidates, except for J.D. Vance in, in, in heavy Republican Ohio, lost. All right. So to believe that this guy, first of all, can win in those states where all of his candidates lost, could win himself in a general election is insane. OK, it's bat crap crazy. But also it will be very important for the, for the Republican who wins in 2024 to make sure they carry the House and the Senate. Because what good is it to have a Republican president and, and Speaker Jeffries and, and Majority Leader Schumer again? What, what good is it? You need the Republican candidate to have coattails and keep the House and, and also win the Senate. OK, and there's no way Trump's going to do that when his candidates just lost. They're not going to all of a sudden win and he's not going to win. So you need someone like Ron DeSantis, who's going to have the coattails, who's going to be able to win in the swing states and be able to have his the candidates behind him also win. Otherwise, it's pointless. It's pointless. What do you think? What do these Trumpers think it's going to look like? OK, let's say in Miracle of Miracles. Donald Trump beats Joe Biden or Gavin Newsom. All right. What's it going to look like if it's Speaker Jeffries? It's going to be how many times is he going to be impeached? Five? What's the over under? Five? Is that what they want for four years? Is that what they want for four years? Nothing happening and five impeachments. Everything in the news being his his latest impeachment. Is that what they want? Is that what they think is good for the country? Just so they can get some cheap, 
sexual motivated revenge, whatever it may be, whatever sick revenge they need to get. They need to get their revenge through Ron DeSantis, someone who can actually win, someone who can have some coattails and take the House and Senate with him and get things done. Okay, if you want DeSantis to get the things done for the country, he got done in Florida. He needs the legislature just the way he was able to win big this past election and make the legislature totally red in Florida. That's how he gets these things done. He's not going to be able to get the president's not going to be able to get things done if they don't have the Congress. So he needs someone who's proven he can get the legislature with him. He has coattails like Ron DeSantis just had in Florida. Once again, I know I'm talking logic, in fact, I know. And it doesn't matter when you have Trump derangement syndrome of either the right-wing kind or the left-wing kind. You can't be talked to. I understand. I understand. So what do we got to do? Got to go through them. Got to go through them. Got to beat them. That's what you have to do. That's what we have to do. Andrew, what are you saying about Cuck Sanders? Oh, 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 of course. Of course Bernie's going to endorse Biden. We think Bernie's going to endorse RFK Jr. If Bernie was a real liberal, a real progressive, of course he would endorse RFK Jr. Someone who's been anti-Big Pharma. Of course, of course Bernie should support the guy who's anti-Big Pharma, not the guy who sucks up to Big Pharma his entire fucking life. But of course Bernie's going to endorse the – of course, because Bernie always bends a knee to the establishment because Bernie is part of the establishment pretending to be outside the establishment. We know that. We know that now. There's no doubt about it. We got it. I got it now. And I, I get it now. I got it. He fooled me twice. Usually that's bad. You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So, yes, Bernie fooled me twice. Shame on me. He's not going to fool me three times. That's for sure. And after COVID, not going to fool me a third time. Yeah. Well, him endorsing Biden is a fait accompli. It's not even – he won't even have to do it. I mean, it's just assume. Of course he's going to endorse Joe Biden. There's never the who's MW Oh, Marianne Williamson. Okay, oh, you're back. Mary. Yeah, we know Marianne Williamson, Marianne Williamson. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, what else did I want to, why did I also want this election stuff? There was more RFK Jr. We saw RFK Jr.'s making some moves. It looks like maybe he'll be able to do something against Biden. Not that he'll get any, you know, any endorsements. He's not going to get, he probably get zero endorsements. He might get an endorsement from John Kennedy, the Republican. I will endorse him like I endorse a horse in the race. You know, I love his sayings, this guy. Maybe maybe he'll get an endorsement from John Kennedy. That's about his namesake. That's about all. The only guy who will endorse it. Okay. Yeah. That guy's funny, isn't he? Uh, let's see. Uh, Florida Democrats. Oh, this is a big thing. This is a big thing. This is a big one. Florida Democrats are hemorrhaging more than 100,000 votes. Once again, this is just proof of what I have been saying about Ron DeSantis, okay? Since the election, the GOP leads grow, growing, okay? Florida De- Republicans Republicans have added to their already comfortable lead over state Democrats considerably since the midterms, okay? Both major parties in the Sunshine State lost thousands of voters since November 3rd, 22 data. However, Democrats lost more than 115,000, while Republicans lost just over 16,000. As of November 30th, 22, Republicans led Democrats 
by 356,000 voters. A few months later, Republicans now lead by 454,000 voters, expanding their margin by about 100,000. The lead expansion is primarily due to the Democrats suffering hemorrhaging losses. While both parties did lose voters, minor parties and no party affiliation voters grew by collectively several tons of thousands. A large portion of the registration loss can also occur due to the Department of State clearing out voter rolls. According to the department in 2023 so far, more than 67,000 active and more than 30,000 inactive voters have been removed. So what we're seeing once again is more of Ron DeSantis building the Republican base in his state. 454,000 more Republicans than Democrats. It was just five years ago, it was like 300,000 more Democrats. I mean, it's been totally turned around. Just proof of what Ron DeSantis can do on a national level, if he was given the chance. He's able to get people of all political colors to vote. It's like a rainbow coalition. He gets everybody because what he talks is common sense and he does what he says. Speaking of, this reminds me. Okay, so Ron DeSantis, I believe, has signed in the six-week abortion ban. And, of course, the left is going crazy. Gavin Newsom is once again talking about his freedom. There's no freedom. There's no freedom. You you don't have freedom to kill children. If you're not free, Gavin Newsom believes that freedom is killing children before birth, killing fetuses, and forcing children to have sex change operations before they're 18. Children having sex change operation, mutilating children, killing fetuses and mutilating children is freedom, according to Gavin Newsom. That's Gavin Newsom's idea of freedom. That's how fucked up the hair gel king of California is. I'm changing my mind on abortion. I used to be pro-choice and I'm changing. I'll tell you why I'm changing. One is because I'm mad that they didn't back me that these same people didn't back me with bodily autonomy over the last three years. I have stuck my neck out for these people, okay, these bitches, for a long time now, all right? And yet they didn't back me when it came to my bodily autonomy. Only their bodily autonomy mattered. So what? Fuck you. Loyalty is not a one-way street. Also, it's becoming much easier now to put your child up for adoption. There are so many agencies, right? Church agencies, you know, uh, anti-abortion groups that are making it very easy for women to come to them and say, look, I'm, 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 I'm pregnant, uh, but I don't want to have an abortion, but I have to have one unless, because I can't, I can't afford this child. I don't want this child. So unless I can get the child adopted, I'm going to abort it. And these agencies get the, they do everything in their power, okay? to make sure though these these women can put their children up for adoption if they don't want them or can't afford to have them. So there's really no reason to get an abortion unless of course you got rape, incest, or the the, the uh, life of the mother, in which there are all of these exceptions, okay? They exist. So since rape, incest, life of the mother, that's all covered as reasons for abortion, why would you need to get an abortion? The only reason you would need to get an abortion is if you're too selfish to carry the child for nine months, right, to, to see it through. But even if you can't afford to do that much, there are all of these agencies, there are all these charities, all these people who will help you do that. 
They will give you money. They will give you everything. They will, whatever you need in order to carry the child and not have the abortion. So it's easier than it ever was, okay, for someone who doesn't want to have the child to have the pregnancy and then get the child adopted, okay? So it's only really pure selfishness for a woman not to carry carry it through, right, and have the child. So I have no problem with this six-week abortion. Now, I can tell you that three years, four years, five years ago, I would have had a problem. I would have disagreed with Ron DeSantis on this. I would think that's too soon. I'd give it several more weeks. I'd, I'd give it longer than a month and a half. But I don't think I would anymore. I don't think I will. I think I think it's reasonable enough. I think it's reasonable enough that you get your six weeks. If Once again, if there's rape involved, if there's incest involved, if your life's at stake, then you can have the abortion. But other than that, you can have the child and then get it adopted. You don't have to keep the child. Okay, and like I said, there's so many resources out there when it comes to the money just to get through the nine months. And then, of course, to get the child adopted, all of those agencies are available. And if they weren't available, I'd be against this ban, but they are. So once again, the only reason not to have the child is is selfishness. I don't want to deal with this for nine months. Well, too bad you got pregnant. You can do several things before you get pregnant to ensure you don't, you don't, you don't, you know, pregnancy doesn't happen by accident. These, these, these pro-choice wackos make it like these things just happen. Like you breathe in the air, you breathe in certain air and you get, you, you, you get, you become pregnant by breathing in air. You eat a certain food and you, and you become pregnant. You could close your legs. That's one thing. You could take the pill, right? Right the birth control pill, right? The person who's fucking you can wear a condom. There are millions of things you can do. Preparation, you can not have sex. You can be abstinent, right? There are a lot of things you can do to make sure you don't get pregnant. When you get pregnant, you know what? It's because you didn't try at all not to get pregnant, okay? So enough of this bullshit. We need personal responsibility, okay? If you don't want to get pregnant, have responsibility, and you won't get pregnant. And if you do, then you'll have, in Florida, you'll have six weeks to get the abortion, okay? If your life thing, if it's if it's your life is at stake, if it's rape, incest, we know all the exceptions, you can get the abortion. Otherwise, have the child and put it up for adoption. So there, there we are. I have changed. I have changed. That is my new opinion. And it's not just because Ron DeSantis is doing it. It's not. It's as I've described. I think I've laid it out. If people want to say, Mike, why have you changed when it comes to abortion? I think I just laid it out perfectly. I've laid it out perfectly. Would you say, Andrew, Bill Maher said women don't know they are pregnant before six weeks. Is he a a woman, Bill Maher? Did he transition? Was he a woman? Was he a woman for a while? Did he transition for like a, a, a short period? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, he's, he's not a woman, but he's in it. Well, he says a lot. Bill Maher says some things that make sense. That doesn't make any sense that a woman doesn't know they're pregnant for six weeks. It's like, what are you talking about? Isn't there, I'm sorry. I, I'm not a woman either, but don't like, don't you like, you stop having your period, right? It happens pretty quickly, doesn't it? And they have these pregnancy tests you can pee on, right? And it tells you right away. It's like every time I see, I go on Twitter and I, um, I like, and people put their COVID tests on, uh, you know, a photo of their COVID test. I always think it's a pregnancy test. The first thing I think when I see those COVID tests, 
is I think it's a pregnancy test. Then I have to look at it closely and I go, oh, that's a, that's a COVID test. But to me, it always looks like a pregnancy test. Uh, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's terrible. Of course, women know six weeks. I think that was part of the idea of six weeks is it gives plenty of time for the woman to know that they're pregnant. It's not going to be like, oh, I didn't. Bill Maher really thinks it takes like two months, three months before women know they're pregnant. Is, is he really think that? I can't believe anyone would be dumb enough to think that. I, I, I can't believe it. I really don't. I really don't. You miss your period and then you take the pregnancy. That's what happens all the time. They miss their period and then they'll, they might wait a couple of days because that could happen. Then they take the pregnancy test and it tells them if they're pregnant or not. Oh my Lord. Uh, and that's the most I know about women. <laughs> That's about it. I've never transitioned. Did you see this sick fucking story about this father who is transitioning his daughter at three years old? This guy, this Shkivuz, is transitioning his daughter at three years old. Three years old has decided, son or daughter, I, I forgot if it's you know, male to female, female to male, but has decided at three years old that he's going to mutilate his child. And this is perfectly legal, I guess, wherever he may be. It must be California. It must be California. Now, let me tell you what should happen to this guy. Elon Musk said, and of course, he's been criticized for it because the left criticizes him. If Elon Musk says, I like my hamburger medium rare, they go, a crazy Elon Musk, right-wing lunatic, likes his hamburger medium rare. Once again, these are people who loved him Loved him a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago, they couldn't get enough of Elon electric car Musk. So Elon Musk said that pe parents who transition their kids before they're 18 should be put in jail for life. Good. I, I have one better. I think this guy, any parent that does this, including this guy, should be thrown in jail. And in jail, he can be forced to transition to gay. Okay? In jail... He can he can be forcibly transitioned by you know who to be gay. Let's see how he likes it. Let's see who likes that transition from straight to gay behind bars. That's what should happen to this guy and to people like this. These disgusting fucking people. These are people who should give their children up for adoption. These are people that should not be able to raise children. Someone who's going to transition his own child at three years old. Why? Why? Is it because it's a girl and acts kind of boyish, like throwing balls around? Is it a boy who likes playing with like Barbie dolls and this fucking sick fuck thinks that means they should transition? Why would you think at three years old that your child needs to transition? I'm trying to figure that out. Once again, I'm not fucked up in the head. So it's hard for me to actually think like these people. But once again, this is where the government should say, it. you can't do this. You can't do this. You cannot transition your child. You can't mutilate your child at three fucking years old. Are we really living in a world where the government allows this? And in California, someone like the fucking hair gel king actually encourages it, asks kids to come from other states to transition without telling their parents? There's no one I despise more than the hair gel king of California. I fucking hate his guts. Do I make that clear on this show? I need to know. Show me hands. 
Do I make it clear with thumbs? If you have, you can do thumbs. Do I make it clear on this show how much I despise the hair gel king of California? Or do I need to make it even clearer? Do I not make it clear enough? I'm going to give my, I see thumbs flying. What else is flying? Is something else flying? Looks like, what was that that was flying? Anyway, burritos? Let me see. I'm going to, I don't know what that is. I don't know what those are. I'll, here, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do some thumbs. Here we go. Shout if any. Shout it anyway. What do you say if we take their kids? Yeah, I mean, this is just insanity. It really is. It's insanity. Let me get to one more quick. I'm going to start to wind down. I'll do my film review, but I want to do one more. Should I do this today? Because this is going to make me angry. Maybe I'll wait. Should I wait? Let me see. Um, all right, I'll do this one last story. No, I, maybe I can't because this news outlet is not letting me. The Epic Times is not letting me read this without a subscription. And I hate this. I really hate this. Let me see. Maybe I can do it this way. Let me see if I can. I'm trying to enter the Epoch Times so I can read this story. It's an important one. Let's see. It's an important. Nope. Maybe not. Maybe not. Click allow. You know, this is so confusing to like just to read a story. Just to these paywalls are so fucking annoying. Let's see if I can do this now. Maybe this will let me do it. Okay. Anyway, the story is and this is not going to be a shock to anybody who listens to this podcast. This is written a couple of days ago. Masks cause these pop-ups are so annoying. Masks cause headaches, itching, and lower oxygen intake study. A systematic review of 2,168 studies that looked into the adverse effects of wearing masks during the COVID-19 pandemic has found that the practice led to negative health consequences, including itching, headaches, and restriction of oxygen. Listen to this, folks. Listen to this. This thing is not... Okay. We found significant effects in both medical, surgical, and N95 masks with a greater impact of the second, says the review, published in the Frontiers in Public Health. A meta-analysis of multiple studies found that the headache was the most frequent symptom among mask wearers, with a prevalence of 62% for general mask use and up to 70% when using N95 masks. Shortness of breath was about a third of the people who use general masks and a little bit more than the third among N95 users, while 17% of surgical mask wearers experienced itching. This number was at 51% among users of N95s. Acne prevalence among mask users was at 38%, and skin irritation was at 36%, dizziness even in about 5% of the subjects. Now, I know that um, the uh, acne, I can actually verify that because I've been to my... A, a dermatologist during COVID, and they said, she said, that they were experiencing a lot of cases of what they called, they made this term up, mask knee, mask knee, okay, acne from wearing masks. Uh, masks interfered with O2 uptake and CO2 release and compromised rep- respiratory compensation, the review states. Though evaluated through no, though evaluated, wearing durations are shorter than daily prolonged use. Outcomes independently validated mask-induced exhaustion syndrome and downstream physiometabolic dysfunctions. 
can have long-term clinical consequences, especially for vulnerable groups. The restriction of oxygen uptake and hindrance in carbon dioxide release was identified as more significant among users of N95 masks. Continuous rebreathing of carbon dioxide results in the right shift of hemoglobin O2 saturation curve. And this continues to go on to show uh, how uh, mask wearing not only didn't help spread the uh, stop the spread of COVID, but also was detrimental, especially in people who you know might have had breathing difficulties and issues to begin with. So, and this is over two thousand studies, over two thousand studies. Okay, and by the way, prior it says prior to COVID nineteen, existing data on respiratory viruses had shown there was no basis for wearing masks to prevent spread. All the studies done in the world until 2020 showed that there's no justification for this. A specialist in internal medicine and lieutenant colonel in the Israeli Defense Forces said in an interview with the Epic Times, okay? So this is why Fauci in February of 2020, in the rare instance of telling the truth, said that no, there's no reason to wear masks. And then, of course, of course, totally changed two months later in April, saying not only this is how much of a liar and a scumbag Fauci is. Okay, after knowing this, okay, forever, and in February saying we shouldn't wear masks. Two months later, not only not going from, you know, saying no, we should never wear them to well, wear them if you want. They went from no, we should never wear them to you must wear them and you must wear two of them and you must wear three of them and you must wear goggles. This is what a lying son of a bitch this Fauci is, or Fauci, as I like to call him. What did the Gator say? Mike, try using, oh, there was some, some link there. Maybe it's a link where you don't have to go through paywalls. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. I've tried doing that, but it's not, it's very difficult sometimes, you know, to get past these, uh, <clears throat> get past these paywalls, you know, so. Um, where's our friend from Iran, Reza? Reza from Iran called a couple of days ago and it was a great call. It was fantastic. And Reza told us about, if you weren't listening, this is Wednesday's show. He said that he sets up a lot of the IPs for people in Iran. Right. His his hometown, he lives in, I think, the biggest city in Iran. And he he has a bunch of people who he provides the Internet for because the government blocks the Internet. And so he provides the Internet so they can get things like call in and such. And he's actually sent me a bunch of links in my inbox. I need to I need to read them. But hopefully Reza will uh, call back one day. That would be great. Um, can you believe that? A caller from Iran. How great is that? How great is the? How great is this uh, interweb? Huh? It really is great. All right, John. John, are you are you ready to go, John? I have other stories. I have no. I have. I can vamp. I have more stories if you want. Or you guys ready to go? Are you sure? All right. Well, if you guys are ready to cue up the music, I will. Um, I'll get my review ready. Are you guys ready? We need, need another minute. One minute. Okay. He's another minute. Because, you know, it's a big thing. It's, it's John Williams and it's the Boston Pops. So it's like, it's quite complicated. You know, it's not, not as easy as you think to get this going. You guys are about ready? Okay. All right. So, okay, John. All right. Play me in. Play me in.
All right. All right, John. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I really, as always, you know, I appreciate what you, you do for me. You know, I mean, this is great. Every Friday, John comes in here and, uh, and plays me in. All right. So I have one film for you. I have one film for you. Let me see if I can cue up the trailer. I'll play a little bit of the trailer for you. Let me see. All right. Renfield. This is Renfield. This is with uh, Nicholas, two Nicholases. It's with Nicholas Holt, who plays Renfield, and Nicholas Cage, who plays uh, Dracula. And so this uh, opens uh, today, early today, I believe, in theaters near you. Let's see if I can cue this up. Right. Mr. Renfield, welcome. I am Dracula. You will make a very good assistant. No. He's evil. We will protect you. You have the word of the most trusted institution on earth, the Catholic Church. Ah! Renfield, your sole purpose in life is to serve me. Now, let's see. I just want to know more life again. Okay, so Renfield, for those of you that don't know the story, um, is Dracula's assistant, right? And he's been his assistant through the decades, for about 90 years. And so what, what Renfield does is he gets Dracula fresh bodies to eat. And, and, uh, and Renfield has uh, powers where he, if he eats bugs, he gets very powerful. He becomes all-powerful and strong. And the story here, obviously, is that he's kind of becoming uh, re the reluctant servant for Renfield. And the movie puts it in a very funny, uh, uh, into a very funny narrative where it's basically like a toxic relationship, right? So you have Renfield going to like a group meetings of people who are in toxic relationships who want to get out of them. Of course, they don't realize how extreme Renfield's uh, toxic relationship is. So he really reluctantly is in the relationship and really wants to try to get out of it. But of course, Renfield won't, uh, won't let him get out of it and uh, believes in loyalty and believes that he's his servant for life. Um, the film is really campy, very over the top. The script is pretty lame, pretty, I say just pretty thin, the script itself, which has, you know, there are those very comical elements where, when they talk about the toxic relationship and he goes through these group meetings and, uh, and the dynamic between, you know, Renfield and, and Dracula is, uh, is played out pretty well by Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage. But this, the, 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 the screenplay itself, which basically has the mafia involved and a mafia a woman who runs the mafia and her son, and they get into a situation where they close go head to head with Renfield. And actually there's, you know, Renfield gets word that uh, that 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 uh, I'm sorry, Dracula gets word that Renfield is uh, is trying to abandon him, and so there's all that dynamic, and then the, the mafia come in and they have a lot to do with it, and and Dracula and the mafia get on the same side. They try to you know use their forces to uh, defeat Renfield, and like I said, the script is pretty is pretty light. <laughs> And and it's not uh, 
I would not say if, if people want a Dracula film with bite, if you will, this is not it. Okay. Uh, this is more of a comical, campy send up. And it, I probably would not recommend the film. I mean, the, the, the violence, the action is incredibly over the top, grand guignol, tons of blood. They must have gone through buckets of blood. So it's really over the top violence. It's one of those films that if violence bothers you, you're not going to be bothered because it's so over the top comic book type violence that it's not really going to bug you. So that's all done really well. The action sequences are pretty, are pretty nifty. Um, but I probably wouldn't recommend the film if not for Nicolas Cage. You know, you know, if you have sort of a flimsy script that if you put a great actor at the top, someone like Nicolas Cage, he might be able to carry the film through. And he really does. Nicolas Cage, this is a performance that's in Nicolas Cage's wheelhouse. It is incredibly campy, incredibly over the top. But Cage is such a great actor that he actually gives Dracula a little bit more, I guess what you call a uh, dramatic edge than another actor would have brought to it. So he's definitely campy. He's definitely chewing up the scenery. He's, a, he's enjoying every minute of it. The big ham that is Nicolas Cage, but also, also a pretty, at times, a kind of frightening and imposing Dracula. But it's so fun to watch Nicolas Cage having a great time that it makes the film worth seeing. It really is. Nicholas Holt is pretty good as Renfield. Um, there's an actress named Aquafina, Aquafina, who plays Rebecca, who's a cop that befriends Renfield. Um, ben Schwartz is pretty funny as, uh, as Tedward Lobo, the son, the son of the mafia mama. And, uh, you know, like I said, the script is kind of flimsy and, um, I, like I said, I probably wouldn't recommend it if not for Nicolas Cage, who kind of carries it through. And it's 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 fun watching Nicolas Cage having a great time. All right. Every every motion he makes, every uh, his accent is perfect. You know, it's just Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. And he does carry the film through. And I think he makes it worth seeing. If you want to see a really good performance then you should see Renfield because Nicolas Cage is fantastic. Cage is usual, as with all of his performances, really understands what the director wants to do, right? He understands what the film is trying to do, all right? He's really good at that. And um, he just does a great job. And he's just a lot of fun to watch. And he makes the film worth seeing. So I'm going to recommend Renfield, basically, for Nicolas Cage's performance. You will see much better... There have been much better films <laughs> about Dracula. But like I say, this one is campy and Nicolas Cage is perfectly cast in it and carries it through. So I'm going to recommend Renfield because of the great, the great Nicolas Cage. All right. And if you're a Nicolas Cage fan, you definitely want to see it. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Because it probably, it probably will go down as one of his more, uh, you know, memorable Memorable performances, memorable performances. So there's definitely, uh, I recommend Renfield. If you have nothing else to do this weekend, go see it. Go see it in your, in your neighborhood movie theater and support the movies. Support the movies because we need them. Without them, you know, we're being in a lot of trouble. Just sitting at home streaming, I think is pretty 
Pretty dull. Pretty dull. Pretty boring. Okay. Hey, John, are you still? Are you guys still around? If you okay, thanks. Okay. Okay, that's it. That's all the time the union will allow John Williams and the Boston Pops to play. All right. All right. Well, we threw another week of and let's be heard. And uh, we're about to hit the weekend. I want everyone to have a great weekend. I really do. I want everyone to have a great, great weekend. Try to take a few deep breaths. You know, go see the movie. Enjoy life. Maybe put politics aside if you can. I know it's difficult because I have trouble doing it, but just uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the the spring weather. Things are getting warmer and uh, we'll be right back here next week. We'll be right back here next week. I want to remind everyone that the name of the show is in Let's Be Heard. Airs weeknights, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern time. So I will see you on Monday night. But until then, this is Mike Cachopoli reminding you, that your influence counts. Use it.